Today is Monday, May 29th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Uh, Is it proper to wish someone a happy Memorial Day or not? Because there are certainly some things that are unhappy about it. Uh, There are also things that are happy about it. Like, because of people's sacrifice, we have this country, we have our freedoms, etc., etc. There are some things to be happy, or at least you could say grateful for, So uh, is it good or bad to say Happy Memorial Day? We hear from some of our service members, and we talk about that. Um, First, there's some theological questions. Why do Christians close their eyes when they pray? Is that biblical? Hmm. Who's thought of that before? Especially when pastors will say, Congregation, bow your heads and close your eyes. Uh, You know, why doesn't he do something biblical like, you know, look to heaven or kneel before God or bow down or something like that. Why is it close your eyes? We tried about that for a bit. And then what part should apostolic succession have? Do they have more authority over any other run-of-the-mill spirit-filled Christian, born-again Christian? Do they have a special authority or not? No spoilers. You got to listen to that one. I think you know where I'm going to break though. So enjoy this day. Remember the fallen and be grateful for the freedoms. And if you're in the U.S., be grateful for the country you live in. Um, And never forget that it's one generation away from being extinct, your rights, your freedoms. So, um, without getting super political, um, work to preserve these values. Check out the Ask a Christian book available up on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the podcast, and or... Check out the donate link. All these links are in the description. And uh, donate to the cause if you'd like to keep us going and to show your support for sharing the gospel to people on the internet. Um, If you would like to hear the more full discussion that I unfortunately had to leave, um, Rick was in the middle of telling some stories about his service time and some buddies he lost. Um, If you'd like to hear the full podcast, uh, you can go to clubhouse.com slash house slash ask dash a dash Christian. I'll make sure and put that link in the description. Um, so that is a way you can go join the clubhouse. That's where I broadcast these podcasts from live, um, typically Monday through Friday from about 8.30 to 11-ish uh, Eastern time. And you can always find replays there. Uh, they go up to like six hours sometime. It's crazy. So uh, you get a sample of what we do um, with these podcasts. So I appreciate it. I appreciate your support. If you'd like to join us live or ask a question live, you can go to the clubhouse.com uh, link. And also you can check out or you can send an email to askachristianclub at gmail.com because it's free and I'm poor (laughs) and ask any questions or give any comments or feedback. So have an awesome day. Celebrate Memorial Day. Remember the following and um, take care. We'll see you next time. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. What's up? Um, You know how like um, people do this thing when they pray, they close their eyes or they ask everyone to close their eyes. And I'm like, well, in the Bible, but then Jesus looked up to heavens when he was praying sometimes. I don't see a precedence to the, you know, asking people to close your eyes thing. That's a good question. You know, I wonder how far that tradition spreads. Um, I wonder if people all across the world have that concept. Because we see, yeah, different examples, right? Like Jesus looks up at the sky. Um other people follow their face, you know, they kneel, like, where did that, I mean, I guess, well, that's where that came from, like, you know, people would kneel before, so I get why people would kneel, so yeah, maybe closing the eyes is just like a, I don't know, maybe it, it took hold from like a cultural thing at some point, 
I wonder if we can dig into that and find out. But I mean, I'm do you, are you asking if it's right or wrong or just why do they do it? Because I, I actually don't know the answer. I'm thinking it's probably some sort of like cultural reverence. So they could just as easily say kneel or turn your gaze toward heaven. But maybe in, in some culture, like, you know, before Christianity got there, it was it was like a reverent or sacred to close your eyes or bow your head or something like that. And then when Christianity came, since maybe perhaps big hypothetical, since that was like their custom of like ultimate reverence. And then they saw Christianity and Jesus as the as the symbol to be ultimately reverent of. Maybe they just carried that over. That's uh, that's a really good question, though. I'm going to look that up and see if I can find any. I'm sure that's not too far off the beaten path, though. What do you think about that, brother? Are you speaking? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is like uh, when you go to church and you have the altar call. They say, everybody, close your eyes. And then they ask if uh, anybody wants to accept Christ, raise your hand. They'll say, no one's looking and stuff like that, you know. And there's probably all kinds of reasons why maybe uh, closing your eyes started, but, you know, that was like the first thing that popped in my mind. Well, let's see what the Oracle has to say. Come on, say it something about culture or what brother said. <laughs> <clears throat> Here are a few reasons why some Christians choose to quit. Eh. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like what we said, like, um, you know, brother, um, probably closer to what you said than I suggested, but eliminating distractions. I mean, it's a lot of non-biblical stuff that still makes sense, like inner reflection, eliminating distractions, symbolic gesture. Um, yeah, tuning out from the external stuff going on around the peripheral stuff. Um, Let's see, for biblical examples, although the Bible does not explicitly command closing their eyes, well, we know there's no command to. Let's see, there are instances where individuals prayed with their eyes closed or looked to heaven. I mean, that's a difference. Okay, Jesus looked to heaven, which is what Victoria already said. We know that, and that's not closing your eyes. Um, the Bible precedent may influence Christians. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question, Victoria. Congratulations. You have stumped us on Memorial Day. <laughs> but I'd say that like, yeah, there's, there's not a biblical example. There's more biblical examples of looking toward heaven or like, you know, kneeling or bowing with your face to the ground um, or falling before God as dead. Um, so there, there's more examples for that. So yeah. So someone asks you to like bow your head and close your eyes. Do you, or are you like, no, I'm looking to heaven. <laughs> Actually, when I was a kid, we always had like elders tell us to close our eyes and pray. It was like a commandment, and there were some creepy people who would like watch over the kids <laughs> to see if they were <laughs> opening their eyes. <laughs> it was really weird because you could hear it afterwards how they were punishing the kids who opened their eyes. But like, and then like, I've always had this in the back of my mind because like I see I saw kids being punished for this. And I just wanted to know, like, is this is this a thing that was there in the Bible? Because I'm seeing the opposite in the Bible. But I never asked this because, you know, we follow the elders in our in in the part of the world that we grew up in. Um, but 
then like I've heard people say when they use the rosary, it's sort of the same similar situation to avoid distraction because they did ask the question like, why do you close your eyes? The rest of them use prayer beads and universities and stuff like that. So I was like, huh, this is very confusing. I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to like look it up. Yeah, you know, I don't know about that. Uh, that seems like a leap. As people who are just like just made the leap to closing your eyes, so that's fine. I'm I'm gonna say, you know, making the leap to like you know a a conscious, thought out, material thing people made, crafted, and put together in the form of beads on a string, and they like hold this thing like a lucky charm. I'm gonna say that's a little bit more of a leap than just closing your eyes as a symbol of reference or to tune out distractions. Um, so I, I don't know if I'd be swayed by that case. Uh, you know, the topic I actually had today, I was waiting for Chris for, but at least I'll throw it out if you guys want to chime in, was kind of like the, the latest Facebook war between Catholics and Protestants <laughs> is, you know, they're appealing, you know, because Catholicism is the one true church, yada, yada, because of apostolic succession and because they have like the greater Holy Spirit or they have the Holy Spirit. And like, so, so like it was hard to like figure out what they were trying to say. But either they were saying like uh, regular Christians don't have this like the the Holy Spirit like guiding them and indwelling them. But I mean, I I know they agreed what the Bible says, which the Bible says that. So maybe they meant to a lesser degree. That's why we need to take the council's word because these councils of church fathers had like a greater amount of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, no, that's incorrect. Like we are all one in Christ. We all have the same Holy Spirit. We want God does not favor people. Um, God chooses people and uses them differently. But I mean, you know, if if Paul was was not there to write the New Testament, like brother could have just as easily been the one chosen in his stead. Like, you know. Anyway, so I was trying to make that case in chat, but it's it's difficult because, uh, you know, God certainly uses. Oh, here he is. God certainly uses and chooses people, but uh, he could just as easily pick Chris or anybody else. Yeah, wow. I did not know there was a Facebook war going on. I haven't used Facebook in years. <laughs> I, I know. I came back. I, I came. I, I was gone. I was like done with it for like a year. And then I came back because like my community, I was part of a community thing and um, they use Facebook. So I got just a throwaway account so I could be there and say I had it. Um, and then I joined a bunch of like Christian groups. And one was like a debate between Catholics and Protestants. And it is infuriating. Chris, did you hear enough of what I said to comment? Probably not. What? I said no. What's your thought on apostolic succession? Not like the normal part, but like the greater elevation of it. Like people are saying like, you know, you, the people who put together, who did the councils and the church fathers, um, you need to listen to them because they have true succession, which means they have the greater Holy Spirit um, inspiring them and like no bro we all have the holy spirit the same holy spirit like no one no one's greater like you know people are called people are chosen people have done great things like you know moses and elijah and you know elisha these people like were chosen by god they did like really cool things but it was not a different holy spirit it was not a greater holy spirit we're all equally sealed and indwelt by the same spirit of god um and it seemed like the argument was no that's incorrect um you're just a little christian with like little to no holy spirit and you know the church fathers have like a large amount of the holy spirit inspiring them i'm like what you mean the ones that promoted arianism those guys <laughs> no. anyways what are your thoughts on that do you want the long answer or the short answer 
Give us the long one. Oh, well, I wasn't expecting you to say that. I the know, but, it, but no one else is talking, Roy. <laughs> Give us a short one, then expound. How about that? The short one is, it's stupid. That's that's the conclusion I came to. Now give us the long one. So the long one is that apostolic secession is a fantasy that's made up by people that want to claim authority over and above the scripture. And so the whole point of apostolic succession is to say that there is an unwritten amount of wisdom and directions that were given to the church by the apostles that they did not write into the scripture. And so the only way for us to know this secret knowledge is to be one with whatever our apostolic succession church is, whether that's Roman Catholics or that's EO or whether that's, you know, choose whatever Jerry Hayes with his apostolic succession, you know, into oneness, you know, whatever, whoever's claiming that is trying to take authority from the scripture and apply it to individual humans and then say the collection of those humans judgments are the will of God instead of appealing back to the scripture. That's the whole point. Wow. That sounds eerily close to Gnosticism, like, you know, the secret revelation or the, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. I mean, the church never, the Roman church, the Roman Catholic church really never recovered from Gnosticism. They actually were destroyed by it. So how do you uh, greet somebody for Memorial Day, Chris? Oh man, that's a really good question. It's like, you know, cause I was about to say like happy Memorial Day and it's like, well, wait, it's not happy. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, that was one of the first questions. Like Rick down there is like, "What's happy about it?" And I thought, "Well, you know, I, I mean, I've, that was a good question." Vic had a good question too. Oh yeah, Vic, we'll ask him uh, your question. Uh, well, I mean, I think we answered it, but we'll see what well, he has I mean, to say as about a military that. Man, um, it seems like Rick might have an answer to this. Like, what does he say to folks about Memorial Day? Well, I asked him, and I never got a response. Uh, so I, I was waiting for that. Maybe he's, uh, uh, he's going to be able busy. to chat in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear his response. I'm like, well, how do you greet people? You don't just say, oh, nice to see you, Chris, Memorial Day. I mean, you don't really say you don't say sad Memorial Day. You don't say unhappy Memorial Day. But, I mean, you know, in lieu of a better answer, my thought was it's kind of like, you know, the cross. And when people, you know, when people say, why do Christians wear crosses? Isn't that bad? You're promoting a symbol of death. I'm like, no, we're promoting Jesus' sacri uh, sacrifice and resurrection and defeat of death. Um, that's why we were a cross. Like if Jesus stayed dead, you wouldn't see us wearing a cross. Um, you also wouldn't see us being Christians. <laughs> so it's because he came back and even, you know, death couldn't hold him. The cross did nothing, um, except, you know, fulfill his mission, which was to die and then raise to life again. So similarly, I thought, well, I mean, you know, what else are you going to say? I mean, you know, happy, um, happy Memorial day, I guess it could be happy in the sense that, you know, to, we are glad like those who are alive and remain, for the sacrifice we made. So it's not like I'm sad. I have freedom. Like I'm, we're very happy. We have freedom. And the sad part is yes, people died for that freedom. And, you know, fortunately for the ones alive in Christ, I guarantee if they're like, Hey, you want to go back to live on earth? They'd be like, no, no, Jesus, I'm good right here. So, I mean, really the, the sad part, yes, is there temporal death in this world, but if they're alive forever with Christ, uh, that's good. Um, so for the ones who are not alive in Christ, um, that's the saddest part of it. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, 
if someone really wants a bone to pick and says, well, what's happy about it? You know, my brothers in arms died. Yeah, that sucks. That is a tragedy. And that's why we have a holiday for them. Uh, but yes, we at the same time, we can be happy and grateful for their sacrifice, for our freedoms, for our country, and, you know, do the best we can to keep our country uh, from being, this? you know, destroyed as we know it. How about we say grateful Memorial Day to you, friend? Eh. Has it got a ring? Can I start something new? Come on. Grateful uh, Memorial you, Day. You could try. I'm not convinced, but you can try it. Try it. The next person that comes in that hadn't heard this, tell that. Say grateful Memorial Day, and let's see what the response you get. Okay. Uh, brother, you want to say something? Yeah, it might be kind of like uh, telling someone happy Good Friday, you know, and someone says, well, what's good about it? You know, they'd be right. But, you know, it's uh, celebrating the great and terrible day of the Lord. You know, it's great and terrible. And Memorial Day, you know, to some may be great and terrible. You know, just to celebrate the great things. Well, and we need to be a lot more thoughtful about it as well because i have a lot of friends that are ex-military who did lose buddies you know because we were just, we've been at war for 25 years um you know so i'm i'm almost i don't know for a fact but i'm almost certain rick down there has lost buddies in combat like you know uh did sean come up here just to get on the phone or is that icon misplaced are you there sean well, Sean's a Sean's a vet too, so um, yeah, that's what I was going to sure ask. Him, but did, he, did, did he come to stage and instantly get a phone call? <laughs> oh, Rick uh, says I think our tendency to make everything happy is to expose our weakness and wanting everything to be positive. Some things just aren't happy; they are just supposed to be sad and humbling. Uh, Solomon covers this a time for everything in Ecclesiastes. Eh, I mean, yeah, a case can be made, but yeah, I mean, then I to agree play. With I mean, I do too, but then to play Christian devil's advocate, um, if someone was just very, very sad, like even to you, Rick, um, who proposed the idea, if someone was very, very sad and somber and solemn um, and everyone was that way towards Memorial Day, even though that's how you feel and you pose the question at some point, wouldn't you be like, okay, guys, th this is enough sadness. Like, are you grateful for the country you live in? Are you grateful for the freedoms you have? Or you would be like, no, just give me all your sorrow. Um, I think at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, turn, chin up, buddy, chin up. Um, it is sad, but there is a silver lining. Well, but um, unless it's personal, it's though, just... right? I mean, like, if well, I can have my just thinking about his well, yeah. friends that, you know, that he saw die in combat, I want to be extremely sensitive to that. You know, like, I have other friends that are military that, you know, had that experience, and it's a horrific, life-changing experience, and I want to, you know, I don't want to just gloss over it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say other than everyone has different people and different personalities and different experiences. Like, you know, I, when I was a cop, lots of, you know, lots of people I worked with were ex-military and, you know, like six months removed from it. And, you know, some of them, it was, it was crazy to see how each person handles things differently. So, you know, my experience listening to their stories, um, some you could tell we're probably going to like, you know, have issues at some point because they were trying to be too nonchalant about it. And they're like, yeah, I saw the guy's head get ripped off. And, you know, I saw like, you know, this graphic, graphic stuff and they acted like it was nothing, but you could tell that it was very, very much something. And they're just putting on a facade. And then other people, uh, you know, kind of took a, I don't know, crusty, hard approach 
but you felt like they were sincere. They're like, yeah, I saw him die. It was bad. War as hell. Um, but you thought, you know, they were really expressing their innermost desires or their innermost thoughts and feelings. And there was not a whole lot of like, you know, stuff they were hiding behind it. Um, and then others were, you know, the, the have a couple of drinks and start telling stories and they just turn into, uh, you know, uh, like crying and, you know, very, very emotional about it. So, I mean, even people who witness this stuff firsthand, um, you know, similar experiences of like, you know, very, very graphic stuff, they will handle it very different. Um, anyway. Uh, Sean, are you still on the phone? No, 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 no. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. Oh, okay. As a vet who just said Happy Memorial Day, um, I I guess it doesn't rub you the wrong way, but do you think you should adjust that at all? Um, By the way, I'm fine with Happy Memorial Day. But what what would you say to other vets who say, well, no, it's a sad day. There's nothing happy about it. Um, So what what would you say to that? Would you say, yeah. Well, if we look at it, what this day represents. It's originally uh, for the Civil War. That's historical. Yes. But is it a sad event when when you fight for freedom that and you and in the end you decide that you're fighting for wins in the end. Remember, we're the army of I would say that it is a happy memorial. It is a happy day. You know why? We remember they gave their lives for the right side. Sean, you are my spirit animal Christian brother. I, uh, yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good about saying Happy Memorial Day, and if someone really takes that wrong, I'll explain it, you know, how we've been explaining it, how you just explained it. Mm-hmm. And if someone still isn't buying it, then, you know, I guess I'll be like, okay, well, you know, sorry. I'll, I'll be a little more sad around them. But, um, yeah, I don't think people should be too too super critical. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, I want to be, you know, respectful of everyone's feelings right. to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it seems like uh, I've got Sean on my team and Chris, you got uh, you got Rick on yours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, uh, Nate? And uh, this is why, look, both uh, my my grandfather and his, my my grand uncles were all World War II veterans. They didn't give their lives. They came, they made it back. Right? And because they made it back, I'm here. My cousins are here. And three of us are in the ministry. What what can I say to that? And now my son is has made it up made it a fourth one. He's in the ministry. He's a youth pastor. Look how the army of the Lord has grown through this, through my own family. And all I can say this, all my siblings are saved. And my children are saved. So what what do so the army of the Lord has grown as we memorialize those who did give their lives. And I give them the salute. Boy. No, uh, were you done speaking? Yes, sir. Oh. Well, Chris, any anything else? Are, are we done here today? <laughs> and this is going to be a short one. I have to take my kids to a 
to a play date. School just got out. And now uh, the mother hens are setting up uh, constant play dates. Hey, Sean, so I know you're not, I I know you're not teaching today. I thought y'all be barbecuing today. I, I am going to be cooking some steaks today. We're just I'm having a discussion with my wife real quick. So I'm, I'll talk to you guys in a minute. I'm coming over some ribs. She's always right. Just saying. <laughs> she is always right. Yeah. I have steaks, yeah. Sean. So if you're coming over with steaks, it's not ribs. Sorry, buddy. Okay. Just mix it up. We had ribs yesterday. <laughs> All right. I wonder if anyone's ever had alligator ribs. I think that's the thing. I don't think alligator ribs is a thing. You can have alligator chunks. and I mean, I've I mean, had alligator bites before. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, it t- tastes kind of like fish chicken. Fish chicken? Yeah, yeah it's, like a, it's like right. a... I mean, it's pretty good. Ha, <laughs> Victoria. Well, Sean, since you're the only one currently talking, Victoria was wondering why people close their eyes during prayer. Like, where does that come from? Oh, that's a good question. I never even thought about that. Oh, now he's talking. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Well, I don't know. I would have to go read something about it. I mean, I guess I could just you know, the you know, short make answer or the long up. answer? The short answer is there's no biblical examples of people praying with their eyes closed. The long answer is a cultural show of symbol symbolism or symbolic reverence or eliminate distractions. You know, lots of non-biblical things that still make perfect sense. Yeah. What do you guys think of Christine King? Who? Yeah, exactly. Christine Kane is a uh, is a pagan um, from Bethel that uh, teaches paganism and has wormed her way into the Christian church. So, like, by teaches paganism, like, they would say they teach, like, a godly Christian discipleship or internship class? Like, is that what they would say? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're liars okay. and they're demon-possessed, but... I just found out that there's apparently a Bethel Tech, like a Bethel Technical School that trains people in, like, IT. I'm like, well, that seems odd. Is it, like, Christian IT, or is it how to, like, use the power of the internet and electricity to, like, summon heaven magic? But, yeah, there's, like, a Bethel Tech School. Right in Reading. Really? That's odd. It is. (laughs) Maybe I should go there and start teaching. Oh, you can, oh my gosh. Good theology and good IT. You can infiltrate. It's like how, it's like how all the like teachers are like infiltrating and teaching kids garbage. You can infiltrate and teach like proper theology. Yeah, they would, they've got more discernment than Christians. Their, their father, the devil is really good at discernment. And so, you know, they would sniff me out. I mean, you know, bite the head off a chicken or something the first day just to get everyone's guard down. I could just come in with my pack of tarot cards and they'd probably be all excited. (laughs) 
you think God would appreciate like undercover stuff, like how you know, like undercover like narcotic people like can can do drugs to like get their way in, like you know, infiltrate. You think God would be cool with that? I mean, it's rhetorical, of course not. Don't do that. But um, interesting to think about. Are you gonna tell us about your previous career as a narcotics officer now? I was not in narcotics. Yeah, like Miss Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not in a specialized division. Were you a beat cop or what? Uh, deputy sheriff. It's uh, it's not like a beat cop. Like uh, no, nah, not like the city. Like we we're, we're just a regular deputy, but you know we had free reign, so we didn't have any like traffic quotas or anything like that. So that that was that was like the biggest difference in the city and county. Like it was nice. Like we had like a seven hundred, almost eight hundred square mile county. And it was like there were several cities in it and a lot of rural area. So we could really do whatever we wanted to. There was no expectation other than, you know, take 911 calls. And, you know, like uh, if we like, you know, if we saw people like doing crimes, then we'd jump in and stop it. Like we didn't have to invent crimes. We didn't have to like, you know, set up speed traps, like all the stuff people hate cops for. Um, we didn't have to do that. So that that was one of the nice things about the job. So here's the thing is like in all my years, I've never actually, unless you're talking about like a traffic crime, like I've never actually seen somebody go and perpetrate an actual crime just like when I was going down the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're bebopping down the street and then you see crime. Like I've just never, maybe I'm just not observant, but I've just never seen actual like crime, like just broad daylight, somebody like, I don't know, kidnapping somebody or, I mean, I know it happens. Well, I mean, usually the populace is pretty good. I mean, it's only a small minority, which is increasing. And I mean, you know, go to New York, ride the subway. Let me know if you still have that same example. But my uh, my parents were telling me, like, in the city where I, I originated from, uh, they have this, like, uh, sidewalk festival, like, every every couple months. And apparently, like, last week or maybe two weeks ago now, um, there was this mom with, like, her five-year-old daughter. Um, and they were just walking. And she said she, like, turned her head for a second. And uh, this is, like, in broad – well – it was the evening, but it was still daylight and said this mom turned around and saw this like guy like speeding away, like carrying her daughter. And the daughter was like screaming and crying. So she was like yelling and running after him. And like, she's like, he's got my kid. He's got my kid. And enough like good citizens like stepped in and, you know, got in front of the guy, blocked him, stopped him. The cops came and arrested him. And they're like, yeah, he's trying to connect your kid. So, I mean, what the you heck? know, that's crazy. It happens. Wow. Okay. Wow. Jeez. And, and yeah, I mean, I could say on one hand, you know, go to go to certain cities and um, you'll have a very different experience. But then in the same breath, don't go to those cities. We, we like having you around. <laughs> Man, I mean, I guess I, I'm excited about living in a civilized place like Florida. <laughs> or wait, is hey, it an unlivable hellhole? I forgot. I, I don't know which one it is because Trump says that Florida is an unlivable hellhole. What did he say that? Yeah. Really? I'd like to. I'd like to see that audio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hear the, see the audio. Hear the audio. <laughs> yeah, Florida, where all dreams come true. That's right. Is it because him and DeSantis are fighting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking about DeSantis's record about how he's <laughs> turned Florida into an unlivable hellhole, and people are like, "Wait, what? Um, you live here, bro." Well, who was it that just uh, just issued the travel warning for like uh, everyone that said Florida is like a you know a red zone? Don't go there if you're like 
gay yeah, or black NAACP. or something. Yeah. When, you know, hilariously, like, there's a large, like, larger than most states black population in Florida. And a and, lot and of the that voted for DeSantis. Yeah. And when the president of the NAACP lives in Tampa, like, yeah, okay, buddy. That'd be easier to believe if you're, like, you know, fleeing to somewhere else, but you live here. Virtue signal. Welcome, Vaniel. How's your day going? Going well, so fine. Uh, doing a little shopping over here and heading back to the house to go watch Mario Brothers with the family since the kids are out of school. I heard it was you know? good. I haven't seen it, yeah, but man. I heard it was good. I was excited about it. Uh, still am. You know, cause I'm a Mario's Brothers baby. Question, is Jesus the God of the Old Testament? Short answer, Chris. Short answer, yes. Jesus is Yahweh. Long answer. <laughs> Was that the long answer, Jesus is Yahweh? Jesus is Yahweh. No, it's a long answer, pretty much. Uh, yes, Solo. Sorry, I'm plugging my toaster in. You can meet me if you need to. I'd be happy to. <laughs> uh, what's up, brother? Do you want to say something? Yeah, I had a question about Sola Scriptura. You know, I joined a, a forum, uh, and it's mostly Calvinists. And uh, basically, um, I got in a discussion about them, with them about Sola Scriptura, and they kind of took the, the tense that... Uh, almost as solo scripture, like uh, only the Bible is the only spiritual authority. And I was just kind of arguing with them about that. You know, it's just the highest authority, but it's not the only spiritual authority. And I was just wondering uh, what everybody else thought about that. And uh, that uh, would they side with either solo scripture or solo scripture? And uh, I offered examples of, you know, the spirit portions out, the spiritual gift of teaching, you know, that's a spiritual authority. Oh, uh, well, I mean, that's huh, when you threw the teaching thing in there, like I would have expected the Calvinists to take the other approach, the one that you took, like the scripture is the highest authority. And then, you know, you need councils and stuff like that to in, to interpret. That's fine because, you know, scripture is still the highest authority and that's where they're working from. Um, not like on par with tradition or stuff like that. Um, but I would say, well, you know, teaching is a spiritual gift. But I mean, if you're teaching from church tradition, then I, I would say no. If you're teaching from, you know, from just the scripture, I would say, well, great. So, I mean, I, I, throwing that teacher in there is like a spiritual gift. is like a, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, you can say that's an authoritative position. But I mean, it's... um. It, it, that's like a different category, I'd say, versus like, you know, sola scriptura, like, yeah, scripture, scripture alone, that's all you need. But then to say, well, you know, teacher is also an authority. Okay, well, I mean, I, I would be fine making that case, but I mean, it's not like they're an independent authority. If they start teaching stuff that's tradition or that's not based on scripture, I would say, no, get rid of that. Uh, but if they're teaching, you know, like guiding you through Titus or a Bible passage or scripture, then I would say, okay, well, you can recognize teacher as some sort of spiritual authority, but they need to just be teaching from the scriptures, not like, you know, councils of men or stuff like that. 
Yeah, that's I threw in a few other points. You know, the pastor's the under shepherd. He's the spiritual authority. His authority, if he's not a spiritual authority, but uh, then again, the verse where St. Paul says, you know, I say to you, not the Lord, you know, if a, a Christian has a wife that's not a believer, he, if she wants to live with him, he must not divorce him. You know, it's the Holy Spirit said it, even though the Paul says the Lord didn't say it. So Paul, you know, it's kind of we're like a spiritual authority because uh, of the spiritual gift of teaching. Well, let's be real clear. I'd like to hear Calvinist Chris. So Calvinist Nate. Um, <laughs> All right, free will, um, libertarian, free will, Chris. <laughs> I can't see God not giving us libertarian free will. Go on, yeah. Christus Arminius. Um, yeah, right. I can be Chris, Christus Arminius. That's fine. <laughs> um, so uh, when we say only Scripture, that means that Scripture is the final authority. So that all other teaching is matched against the teaching of scripture. It is not to say that we don't have a tradition. It is not to say that we don't, you know, have um, specific teachings that we hold to as, you know, the Christian church, i.e. the Trinity being one of those. But how do we get the Trinity? We derive the Trinity from the scripture. And the scripture is the only thing that the Greek word there, and I'm going to say it really badly, but the Greek word there in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 is theonoustos, is God-breathed. There is no other earthly authority that is God-breathed. It doesn't exist. And even the Catholic Church will say that there is no such thing as anything else that is God-breathed. They reserve a special place for Scripture. Make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I totally agree with it. It's just uh, some of the Calvinists I deal with, they tend to be like hyper. They they don't like it whenever I, I use the word hyper. But, you know, I know solo scripture is not a sign of hyper-Calvinism. You know, it's not like a huge blemish that uh, outs somebody as a hyper-Calvinist, but maybe it's a little freckle. Well, I mean, hyper-Calvinism is something is very rare. You, know, you don't find it a lot. Hyper-Calvinism is only the belief that because God has the elect, that we don't have to evangelize or do anything because the elect will come to Christ, which is true, right, in one sense, that the elect will come to Christ. That's not false. The problem is, is what their orthopraxy is around that. <clears throat> and we would say that and they would also say that, uh, you know, one of the other hallmarks of, of hyper-Calvinism is determinism. It's just raw, bald determinism. And we as Calvinists do not believe in determinism at all. And so the idea that we would affirm determinism is generally a slander. I mean, that's what hyper-Calvinists do. Yeah, again, I agree. It's just... Uh... Another point I brought up to them, because you have to kind of dig a little deep whenever, you know, someone's hard-headed or whatever. Uh, I brought up a point in the Westminster Confession of Faith, you know, about the Bible, where it says in uh, paragraph 10, you know, the, for instance, the doctrines of men, as long as they agree with the scripture, are okay. And 
you know, this would be authoritative, you know. And uh, that's one thing I brought up to them. I told them, I said, even their confession allows for other spiritual authorities. Sure, you know, the Bible's the highest spiritual authority. And I the Bible is... I'm sorry, I, I thought you... Go ahead, go ahead. I didn't say many good things about the doctrine of men, you know. It can be bad, but, you know, the Westminster Confession of Faith says as long as it corresponds with the Bible, the doctrine of men is good. Well, I mean, I see an example of that is like the Nicene Creed, right? Like the Nicene Creed, you, you, I mean, you could say it's a doctrine of men, but it can support, corresponds with the Bible because it's, it's basically just a, a detailed list of, you know, taking taking the subject of the Bible and making it in one quick little creed. So, I mean, I, that's like a shining example of what I see that is. Like, it seems like, again, it's been a long time since I looked at it. I don't think there was anything I had a problem with in the Nicene Creed. I think it's pretty solid. Um, or like the Apostles' Creed. But anyways, like something like that that's very biblical. It's just taking lines straight out of the Bible and organizing them in one, like one creed dealing with one subject matter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that doesn't conflict. It corresponds. It's just taking a subject in the Bible and saying, here it is. Here's the whole Bible for this subject. Um, real quick, there's a thing in chat again from Lilo. Hello, Lilo. Um, you're not being ignored, as demonstrated by me addressing you right now. Uh, let's see. Jesus taught, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. He said, pray to your Father who is unseen, not him who is who is seen. How would you explain this? Uh, Colossians 3. It says, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. That's how I explain that. So, Jesus is God in flesh, God incarnate, God with us. He is God. So. The Father, his spirit, is unseen. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Uh, that that would be the answer. Uh, Vango, what were you trying to say a second ago? No, what I, what I was saying was that I think uh, where the discrepancy comes in the conversation of Sola Scripture is that it's, from many church circles, it's made to seem that you can't uh, expose information except for scripture um uh, that's what that's what it seems to me as far as what the problem is so when they say solo scripture it just means that there is no exposure to any other literature itself um just only scripture but i like the way that um chris kind of laid it out as far as being the final authority so it leaves room to be able be able to be exposed to other information but not being superior to what the scriptures say. If I rightly understood what you're saying, Chris. Yep. I mean, we have our own tradition. Like we don't, we don't exist. It's not me and my Bible and under a tree. You know, we we definitely have a tradition. It's it's a type of slander to say that we don't have a tradition. Um, you know, so. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, those are all good answers. You know, I would just say, you know, that perhaps in like ecclesiology, you know, there's a lot of tradition. You know, it can be authoritative. It's it's just uh, it's kind of got stuck in my crawl. You know, I joined that uh, 
forum and it's mostly Calvinist, but it seemed like all of a sudden I became the temporary Arminian over there <laughs> because they uh, all jumped on me. <laughs> well, there is no shortage of very poorly educated Calvinists. Which is why people are like, you don't sound like a Calvinist when they talk to me about whatever the issue is. And I'm like, dude, there's, you can't put a piece of paper between me and, you know, the way that I teach Calvinism and R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and all the Ligonier fellows. Like, we all say the exact same stuff. Sometimes I feel like I'm being repetitive by repeating stuff. But it's always the exact same stuff. And then people are like, wow, I've just never heard it like that before. And it's like, well, it sounds like you've just been listening to idiots. Like, go find yourself some decent people. Guys, I just found something out. If you click on people's profile, does it tell you? Oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. If you click on people's profiles, it tells you, like, what member number you are in the clubhouse house. So, for example, um. If we are given greater spiritual insight, Chris is Ask a Christian member number seven, and Victoria is member number three. So I guess you have greater greater uh, blessing if we we're doing it that way. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'd Hit say me up Victoria catch up. always has more blessing than I do. So. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see. Oh, Walter, Jose, Gia, welcome. Yeah, does that make sense, though, about Sola Scriptura? It is, like, it's the final authority. Like, that's... It just, it, it's one of those things that, you know, people will want to argue about, um, you know, well, is it only the Bible, and can you only use words that are in the Bible? And then we run into those people that are like, you know, you can only use words that are in the Bible. And it's like, why? You know, find the passage in the Bible that says you can only use words that are in the Bible. Because the word Bible is not in the Bible. So, you know. Well, even people who are like, you know, that I met, they're a hard hardcore, like, solo scriptura people. Um, I mean, even they would be that pedantic. I mean, if they're, I mean, I guess, you know, there are people out there that probably say that. I haven't met any. But, like, the, the hardest ones I've found, yeah, they, they, I mean, it's kind of what you said. It's like, you know, the highest authority, but, I mean, they also, you know, would completely write off, like, you know, church councils and tradition and all this other stuff. But if you're like... <clears throat> Okay, well, can you use the word Bible because that's not in the Bible? That say, oh yeah, that, of course, that'd be stupid not to do that. So I mean, if there are people that say don't use Bible because it's not in there, I haven't met them. Oh, they're here. They're on Clubhouse. I've met a lot of people. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, this yeah this Jordan guy that you'll see, he's a KJV only guy, and he'll say that Jesus is the only name um, by which you can be saved. So if you speak a foreign language or you speak Greek. You have to say the English rendering of the name Jesus or you'll go to hell. Oh, my gosh. So, like, the anti-Yeshua HaMashiach crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He thinks that the King James is the only inspired word of God and that all of the other scriptures um, are are corruptions. So, he like he's, like, agreeing with the Muslims that the scriptures have been so corrupted and then Jesus. Then, God restored the scripture in 1611 and that, oh, and he also believes that the apostle Paul wrote his letters in King James English. That oh was my God. Oh my Lord. Like, uh, why can't people just be normal? Just, ah, 
repent and believe the gospel, be done. Just stick yeah. your head in sand after that. Like his, after you've been redeemed, believes, stick your head in sand and just so much do better. nothing else. Here's what, what I say about Jesus only spoke King James English to everyone true. around him. That is foolishness. I heard a lot. I heard my godmother made that statement years ago. And I say, I said, I had to go up to her and I said, Mama, the scriptures are originally written in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and a little bit of Latin. It's not written in English. English wasn't even around then when, at the time of Jesus. So when we make statements, we need to make statements that are truthful. But I did that. Now, I did not do that in front of everybody because that had been out of order. I did that behind the scenes but this same kind this this type of thinking i'm now i do i preach out of the king james but when i teach i teach out of maybe four different translations so people will get a full understanding but i'm what i'm hearing though because uh chris i'm gonna ask you give me your thoughts on gail Riptinger. I know you know who she is. No, I actually don't. Yeah, what? On, on who? Yeah. who? Gail Ripplinger. I don't know who that is. Well, she wrote a book on why the King James is the only Bible you should read. And she compares, she actually compares the other translations with and and he was, and she she and her things, well, this word is taken out, this word is added. This whole passage is taken out, and and these types of things are in, are in uh. You got to hear, hear the debate with, with White and uh, Ripplinger. Uh, what's the name? Um, the one who wrote the King James only controversy. Uh, White. Uh, well, James White wrote that, but who's yeah, the, so, who no, no, James White. Jumped, yeah, John, Germs. Uh, Germs. <laughs> James White debated uh, Gail Ripplinger um, on her show. And I don't think she oh. debated after that ever again. Yeah, you, you really? got to find it on YouTube. It's a real interesting conversation. Yeah, can she uh, post her name in the yes. chat so I can spell it correctly. Yeah, let me see if I can find. Uh, I'll try to find the actual debate between James White and Gail. Her book is called that. New Age Versions. That's the name of the book. Oh, it sounds like it's spelled. Um, let's see, the spelling of her name: D E M O N. Ah, I'll put her name in there so you can go ahead. <laughs> Repent, man. Yeah, I just put her name in the back chat. In the chat, bro. What were you gonna say about her, uh, Pastor Sean? Like, what, like? Uh, well, she, she, she got. Some she's she's a definitely she... King James only. She's uh, definitely, and she says every other version except the King James is New Age. Of course, which that's foolishness. New Age. Yeah, New Age. New uh, her th her, when you talk about King, now this is what, and then those folks who I will say, now you don't, I don't want to use the King James no more. I say, well, you go in most churches, you start reading out other versions, they they might look at you funny. So you you got to, <laughs> you got to, you, the Bible says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as does. Well, it depends on the. 
depends on the church, right? Like every church yeah, depends I've on the church. Yeah. has never used King James yeah. for forty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. thirty well, thirty five years. Okay, I've been well, I, church thirty five years. I've never gone to a church that used King James. On all the years that I've grown up, the majority of the churches I've been in or have visited have always used the King James. Except for on uh, maybe Bible study nights, they might use the, um, they really don't like the NIV. They really look at you real funny if you look at the the NIV. Dynamic translation. But yeah, I mean, like, so is this like a cultural thing, Sean? So like, you know, I don't want to break this down to like racial lines or anything like that. Well, well, uh, well, well, I've been in, I've been in churches, the churches I've been in have been. Uh, I've been in Pentecostal, Charismatic, Baptist, and Methodist churches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mean Methodists were using the King James? Yes. Oh yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Oh yes. It is a cultural thing, but I'm not assuming they're not. It's a cultural thing. Okay, so like, well, like, so for instance, Pastor Mark, you know, our, our beloved Pastor Mark, um, who's going to be um, teaching class part nine on uh, on. Um, living by the book, um, we've got three weeks left. Um, like he's, he's not KJV only, but like he, he says that KJV is the best translation out of all of Then you have the Israelites, the Hebrew Israelites who will only use the King James because they take it all in context. Oh, yeah. I take a piece here and a piece there and a piece there. Uh, they only use the King James. And then you will, but now you've gotten some folks and they got slick in the, in the Hebrews like community, y'all. So be careful. They will use um, the Young's literal translation. They will use um, the expanded Bible. So you got to be careful with them now. There's some of them got slick. Uh, and also you've got, and I think it might, I think you're right. I think it is a cultural thing, Chris. Just get back to your question. Make sure I answer it. Um, but here it is. We're talking about a book, a, 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 a translation of the Bible that has been used down through the years. And I mean for centuries to not only use for evangelism, uh, to use for discipleship, to use for theological purposes. And when I hear certain other people put things down, they come off as real arrogant. I said, you sound real arrogant. And I told, I told, I tell a couple of brothers who I love very dearly. I said, you're coming off as arrogant when you say stuff like that. And Instead of and they've they've taken the correction, but the bottom line is, we need to understand that not all the not all the modern translations are new age and not all the modern translations are uh, heretical. Now we got some that are paraphrases, we got some that are uh, thought for thought, you know. But what we do with it is. I read the King James, when I do this, I, when I do my studying, my personal studying, I have the King James, 
I have the New King James. I have the LSB. And I'll have the um, the TLV. Those are the four I mainly study on. And I'm starting to add a fifth, which is the ES, which is the ESV. So um, that that's those are the ones I try to study out of. How about the rest of it? Man, the ESV is my go-to. I, I like that. I think the first Bible I ever had was King James because, you know, my grandparents like gave it to me and I was like eight. Um, <laughs> needless to say, um, I, I actually don't know where it is now. Screaming children, wonderful summers, great. Oh, save me. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that book is in just as pristine shape as when I got it because, uh, yeah, eight-year-olds and King James. Yeah, but then I, I started reading the New Living Translation later in my teen years, and uh, I thought that was fine. Um, and then I don't know when the ESV came out. I, I probably maybe I read the NLT before ESV even came out, but if not, I certainly didn't know about it. But when I discovered that, I read it, and that's that's my go-to now. I like that. It just it's it's close to literal. It reads easy at the same time. Um, and whenever you blue letter rival it, like you don't really need to because the words are are what they mean. Um, so yeah, that's the one I like. I have been. I am now. I'm working the way. Um, um, at Pastor Steph's recommendation, I'm working my way through the Christian Standard Bible, um, and I'm I'm just about in the New Testament. So I'm I'm doing that one. I still like ESV better, but I'm committed now. So I'm I'm going through the Bible in the CSB. But that's that's where I stand. Yeah, I do LSB. LSB is great. <laughs> LSB is the brand new one. It's just a. It's a recapitulation of the NASB 95. Um, and it's fun in the New Testament because they restore Yahweh. They don't use Lord. Yeah, I still want to do the, the LSB, but I, I always forget about the LSB. I always forget what it's called. And then, like, there, apparently there's another LSB that's, like, weird and not well known. And whenever I, I search, anyways, I got to remember LSB. Legacy Standard Bible. Legacy Standard Bible. Bible. That's the LSB that Chris and I are talking about. Yeah, I just gotta remember that when it's time for a new Bible. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna personally send you a back take. Is that remember the only difference? LSB it's like this 1990 NASB with the word Yahweh. Is that pretty much the only difference? No, they had a whole translation committee that that went and you know, looked at other passages and stuff. So they, they made a few minor changes, but there's not major changes. They added to or took away from the word of God, Chris? Is that what you're saying? Uh... Well, yeah, because the name Jesus in English is the only one that saves you. That's funny. Before you said, like, in a different language, I was going to say, well, Jesus in Spanish is spelled exactly the same. Um, just pronounced different, but you covered that too. So I guess... Um... That's also no bueno. Oh, okay. Hey, let's let's try it out. Uh, Rob was in the military, right? All right, Chris, practice your greeting. I forgot it already. Sorry, oh, yes, I was in the grateful. military. What's the question? Oh, uh, grateful Memorial Day. Because you can't really say Happy Memorial Day because what's happy about it? Or is, can like, you? If I said Happy Memorial Day, no. would you be offended? We already or heard like... from yes, we already heard from soldiers that were like offended by Happy Memorial oh. Day. So like, well, respectful, no. so, a, so, a respectful so Memorial Day. A respectful Memorial person, Day. Yeah, we're getting a survey, Chris. Like more, more dad is good, right? Like you yeah, know, one know. guy didn't like it. Rab says respectful. Sean says he's not offended at all, and he uses it himself. So I mean, we have you know, we have. 
I'm not. Oh, I'm not offended. I'm not offended um, because it's like, first off, I'm, it's not my place to be offended because it's not like I was in actual combat action watching my friends get shot or anything. So, like, it's not for me to be offended. But in a different sense, like if you said happy does have a weird tinge to it. it's kind of like happy Good Friday, yay! This is the day we killed our savior. <laughs> yeah, right. But we still say happy so, Good Friday. I guess kind of. I mean, even though it sounds weird, do we? I don't think we do. I don't know. I, but I mean, you got to say something. You can't just say, hey, Rab, good Friday. It's like, well, I mean, that would work better than Memorial Day. I mean, at least it's like, good day, good Friday. I mean, that would work better than, hey, Rab, Memorial Day. Like, it needs something before it. And, and then the other guy, Rick, said, well, just say nothing. I'm like, oh, okay, hey, Rab. And then just bypass, you know, the greeting and everything all together and maybe nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We know, we know what day it is. You can actually have fun with it, right? Because you can actually add a lot of qualifiers. So you could say, you know, hey, contemplative Memorial Day, eh? Hey, respectful Memorial <laughs> Day. Hey, grateful Memorial Day. Hey, thankful Memorial Day. Right? There's probably a lot of things you could uh you don't have to just use happy for these other things. You can actually happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy like, you know, uh graduation. All of those are great. This is a a title like, you know, maybe like a joyful uh, like a yeah, I think grateful Memorial Day probably fits the best. If you could change things. one thing, would you change Memorial Day or just have nev- someone like never tell you Merry Christmas again and always say Happy Holidays? No, I would totally do Merry Christmas. That's just as awesome. So uh, <laughs> I, I would totally for, keep. You'd have people never say Merry Christmas. No, no, no. I would absolutely keep Merry Christmas. I like Merry Christmas. Wait, wait. So, Rab, would you oh, walk okay. up to the uh, barista at Starbucks with the rainbow-colored hair and tell her Merry Christmas? <laughs> I have done that. She day? Yes, I have the, done that. What was the response? Typically, honestly, it's not like I ever find the person that makes any kind of good video. Um, nine nine times out of ten, it's say, oh, thank you. And the one time out of ten, it's the slightest eye roll and a move on. Um, so I have not found the person that makes like a, a TikTok-worthy um, screaming match at me for it. So Were you recording? Yeah, Were no, you I'm... hoping that freak out so you could be like, oh, I'm an atheist, ha ha. Yeah, not, not just like I, I like just like if I can if someone gets triggered by it because they're really wanting to do it, I have a feeling I'm also making their day. If they've been waiting all day to unleash on someone that said Merry Christmas and think they have a righteous wait event, um, because that's what they've been building up towards. And I was the facility of that trigger to make that person joyful that they were actually able to do this, I'm also happy. So like my, my mission is accomplished no matter what. I am inevitable. Um, I'm mourning Memorial Day. Mourning? Mourning doesn't seem the right word. Well, I mean, so Rick is willing to come up and tell some stories. I think that'd be highly appropriate. I I would actually love to hear about the men he served with yeah let us know if you'd like to speak jump on up um and I, I do have uh, i do have i do have 10 minutes then i have a hard out um but yeah well, we have well 11 minutes before he gives uh, his story, i'll give mine thing. you should see the callus on my finger from holding the chalk for three years so like it is just a massive callus that lasted for a quite a long time so i want to point out i have taken my injuries for this country all right. Uh, yeah, Rick, 
If you'd like to share, go ahead. Um, I don't want to be rude, so just keep in mind I, I must leave in 10 minutes. But yeah, for yeah. Well, let's let's honor these men, Nate. Just go ahead and mod me, and I'll keep it open for so that Rick can feel like he can finish. All right. Well, yeah, it's Memorial Day today, and um, yeah, um, I'll say this just before I I, uh, I talk about Devora and uh, Clay. I think, you know. The answer to the question, can we say happy Memorial Day or can we not, is, is really, it, it, it really to look at it incorrectly. It's not that can we or can we not it's, or anything like that. It, you know, people have different experiences. Um, and, and I get the sentiment of why people would do it. And so it doesn't make it wrong or right. It's just, um, I think we should just acknowledge that there are other people out there that uh, may have another perspective. And I think if, if we just take that, uh, outlook and have that perspective, we're just better for it. Um, and so Clay and Devora, uh, these were two, uh, people that when I first came into the army, uh, I was, uh, I was very close with, especially with Sergeant Devora. He was my uh, team leader. Sergeant Clay was my platoon sergeant. Um, we were, this was on my, uh, 2005, 2006 deployment to Iraq. And, um, we were on a patrol um, in the southern uh, district of Baghdad, and uh, what we were doing, we called it the the Jackson 500, <laughs> because uh, it was like a, a racetrack we would do. We were tasked with uh, IED interdiction, so basically we just had a presence out there where it was supposed to deter uh, the uh, insurgents from putting improvised explosive devices on the sides of the road. That was the plan. And so uh, this patrol, I don't know, went on for eight hours, something like that, six or eight hours, I can't remember. But we were on the tail end of it. And so we were making our last, uh, our last little, I guess, roundabout. And we got to the, to the, to the uh, Ford operating base. We we're about to go inside, but then the patrol leader, Sergeant Clay was like, hey, let's do one more pass. And then after we're done, we'll come back and then we'll, we'll, we'll RTD. And, uh, so we get past this checkpoint and just past it about, you know, three, 400 meters past it. We see something on the side of the road. My vehicle had passed it. I was the driver of the first vehicle. And so, uh, uh the second vehicle was Sergeant Clay's or Sergeant Devore's or Sergeant Clay's vehicle. And then Sergeant Clay. So there's, no, there was four vehicles out there because Cerner Doty was out there too. Okay, so there's four of us. And uh, we dismount the vehicles. I'm forward of the, the device. We don't know it's a device at this point. We just thought it was something suspicious. I'm forward of the device, and there's three other vehicles that's passed that were kind of spread out in like 50 to 100 meter spreads between the vehicles. And so I hear on the radio, uh, Clay says, Hey, hey, Devorah, I want you to, or he calls this call sign, which is eight. Eight, I want you to dismount with me. I'm going to, you know, we're going to look at this thing. So they get out, me and uh, my, my uh, truck commander, were, we were just like, you know, just BSing in the truck, you know, just, just passing the time. And then you hear a boom. Everything just went silent. And then Lee, one of the gunners on one of the vehicles, uh, he, uh, 
announces over the radio, man down. And so um, I, uh, this is, this was on like a major highway. So this is like a three lane highway on this side and three lane highway. And there's a median in the middle. So I uh, hopped the median and kind of moved parallel to where uh, Clay and Devorah are on the ground. So Clay was was in front of the of the IED and Devorah was on the back. He he took the back blast of it. And so, uh, you know, my another one of the team leaders is like, hey, you know, let's we're springing the action. We're, we're moving around. We're medics already working on uh, on Clay. And I go over to where Devorah is, and his his face was uh, just not not there anymore. And so, um, and he's he's wheezing, you know, taking his last breaths and things like that. So the medics move over to him, and they're like, "Hey, man, he's gone. Like he's he's gone." So. Uh, Sergeant Hamilton, another one of the team leaders, is like, hey, go get the body bag. And so I, I go get the body bag, and we're putting Devorah in, in the body bag. And uh, while this is happening, we're uh, – I don't know how long it passed, but I look up, and there are tanks and other platoons around us, helicopters coming in, and they're picking up uh, Sergeant Clay. And as we were moving Clay, uh, his uh, – his arm comes off. What ended up happening is there was a projectile that was purposed to, you know, basically punch through our armor when we passed by this this thing, and, that, and it didn't go off as as it as it should. And so instead of going through a, an up armored Humvee, it went through his arm. And so he he ended up dying on the uh, on the way to the to the hospital on the helicopter. And so I told that story in, in, in graphic detail, which is kind of hard to do, just to really highlight the, um, the nature of days like this for some people. And now they will... always represent something that is um, sad. It's just sad. And that's not to say that other people can't have other perspectives. It's just, for some people, it's just never going to be that perspective. So I appreciate you guys letting me uh, say that. Yeah, Ray, thank you for for telling us those stories. Yeah, thanks, Rick. I I appreciate that. Uh, Chris, since uh, since Rick's done, um, unless you want to keep talking, Rick, did you still want to stay here, or do you want me to end this thing when I have to go? Well, that's um, up to you. That's up to you, Rick. Yeah. That's that's up to you. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I just asked him. <laughs> you want to keep modding. Were you were you done, Rick? Yeah, you still uh, still have I mean, more to say. Well, Okay, yeah. Well, keep it going, maybe, Chris. You know, take care, guys. Rick, it's nice to see you again. Everyone else, good Memorial Day. Um, I'll I'll see you guys later, but um, I gotta run. So en enjoy the day and celebrate the sacrifice.
And um, yeah, thanks for being here. Take it away, Chris and Rick.